The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark. Jesus said, in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commits the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of our loving, liberating, and life-giving God, amen. Please be seated. So just a few weeks ago, on Saturday, November 18th, I was absolutely stunned to discover that the fighting Aggies of mighty Texas A&M University, of the SEC, the greatest conference in all of college football, squared off at Kyle Field against my little old alma mater, the once occasional cellar dwellers of the NAIA, Division Three in the NCAA not that long ago, the not-so-mighty wildcats of Abilene Christian University. <laughs> purple, white, purple, white, fight, fight, fight. <laughs> Abilene Christian is the only college that I know of in America where the alma mater is sung a cappella. Because, after all, musical instruments, as we all know, are of the devil. <laughs> they got that one wrong, and they are missing out. However, it is quite impressive, I will add, if not inspiring, to hear 3,000 student voices join together in four-part harmony, belting out the alma mater in a football stadium. I can still hear it. Oh, dear Christian college, we love you. 
our dear alma mater today. Like the stars shining brightly above you, your fame shall shine brightly for a. To you will prove faithful and loyal while ever upholding the right and gladly we'll give forth the royal three cheers for the purple and white. <clears throat> I'm here every Sunday. Don't forget to tip your altar guild server this morning. The Wildcats, unbelievably, put up 10 points against the Aggies which is 10 more points than I expected them to put up. <laughs> and it is exactly the same amount of points as both Auburn and Mississippi State put up against the Aggies. <laughs> I had to miss the game, but I have to tell you, just reading about it and thinking about it brought back some very interesting memories from the Holy Hill, as we called it, in the often bleak, persistently midwinter of West Texas, the part of West Texas that is uncool, the part without the mountains, without Terlingua, without Marfa, or anything else of interest. <laughs> and as I reflected on today's gospel here on the first Sunday of Advent, I fondly recalled my freshman roommate's favorite story about our time together at the Dear Christian College. His name was Brent Weiniger, and he was from Deer Park, Illinois. He was a Midwesterner from a Chicago suburb. And I'll never forget the very first day he set me straight. He informed me, I'm not a Texan. I'm from Chicago. And I support De Bears, De Bulls, and De Socks. And I said to him, channeling Lyle Lovett, that's right, you're not from Texas. <laughs> But if you're lucky, Texas wants you anyway. Freshman year at a college in the middle of nowhere was very interesting because we had to create our own fun and we kept really crazy schedules. Our sleep patterns were erratic if non-existent. There were all-nighters to finish a paper or cram for an exam, and those were commonplace. And kids... Let me just tell you, this was back in the day when you typed papers on a typewriter, and if you made a mistake, you'd better pray that you had a tiny bottle of what they called white outs. <laughs> and to conduct research, oh, there was no Googling anything, because there was no computer. And there was no iPhone. You literally had to walk across the campus to a giant building called a library. And you had to look through drawers and find books and sit down at a big table and read them right there. Our routines were interrupted frequently with midnight runs to the Big Red Barn for their mountain of onion rings or invitations to sneak off and go to the back door club in the wee hours of the night where the devil's other favorite pastime, dancing, happened. <laughs> where we were forbidden to go by our college administrators lest we be expelled 
which made our desire to go there even more intense. <laughs> One night, in the wee hours after I had pulled an all-nighter the night before cramming for my Koine Greek exam, my roommate to this day tells of his being startled. As he was still wide awake studying, he was startled by a loud prophetic voice coming from my lower bunk bed, a voice that cried out, Hey, you with the nose! He drew closer, and grinning, he said, Are you talking to me? I said, Do you see anybody else in here with a nose? Get me some Mountain Dew right now. He poured me a glass of Mountain Dew. He placed it in my hands, and I proceeded to hold the cup of Mountain Dew on my chest while snoring. <laughs> the next day, he told me what had happened. And he said, you know, you are the only guy I know who can sleep talk and sound like you're wide awake. <laughs> sleep talking. Sleep walking. Very inefficient ways to learn both academically and spiritually. And regardless of how persuasive or loud your voice, in the midst of our spiritual somnambulance, to really engage, to really learn, to really grow, to really think, to really deepen our faith, you got to be awake. In today's gospel, in one of Jesus' final addresses to his students, his disciples, he reminds them of three things. Number one, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Number two, anybody who tells you they know when I'm coming back is talking in their sleep. Because no one knows. Not those who are certain they are reading the signs correctly. Not the angels. Not even me, Jesus says. And number three... It's later than you think, but there is good news. There's still time to get ready to prepare, but you got to stay awake. You got to be aware. You got to rouse from your slumber and pay attention to what I am trying to reveal to you and the opportunities I'm giving you every day to engage, to focus on what ultimately matters in your life. The most well-known story of another religious teacher whose teachings actually often align with those of Jesus is told about the Buddha. When the Buddha started to wander around India shortly after his own enlightenment, he encountered all kinds of people who knew immediately that they were in the presence of no ordinary man. They were in the presence, face to face, with one special being. And so they began to ask him, are you a god? No, he replied. Are you a deity reincarnated? Nope, he replied. Are you a wizard or a magician? No, he replied. Frustrated, they demanded to know, then what are you? And the Buddha responded, I am awake. I'm awake. Being awakened changes us. 
One of our own wonderful teachers in our Christian tradition was the monk Thomas Merton. And Merton was fond of describing this state of enlightenment or great awakening as a place and a condition in which we are consistently mindful and grateful, filled with awareness and gratitude, especially focused on those relationships that God places in our lives every day that we do not take them for granted or wait too long to give them the attention they deserve. Merton put it this way, gratitude is constantly awakening to new wonder and awareness and praise for the goodness of God. Contemplation is life itself. All of it, every bit of it, fully awake, fully aware, fully present to God's gift and blessing. In some ways, the gospel today is like the final review for the class final. One of the very last lectures of Jesus Christ. There was an extraordinary man by the name of Randy Pausch who was a professor at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. And Pausch delivered his final lecture to his students in September of 27. And his students and all others in attendance knew that it was his final lecture because he had been diagnosed with terminal pancreatic cancer. That lecture turned into a phenomenon, including a best-selling book with journalist Jeffrey Zaslow titled The Last Lecture. Pausch expected maybe 50 people to attend that lecture because it was this lovely day in September in Pennsylvania. He just assumed people would have better things to do than attend a final lecture from a dying computer science professor in his 40s. He even bet his friend 50 bucks that he would fail to fill the 400-seat auditorium. He lost the bets. In his 70-minute reflection, he rarely mentioned his cancer. Instead, he took folks on this roller coaster journey through his life and the lessons that he had learned, such as the importance of following childhood dreams, such as the stamina we need to overcome all the obstacles that life will throw our way. Brick walls are there for a reason, he said showing slides of all the rejection letters he had received over many years. They let us prove how deep are our desires. He pushed his audience that day to show patience with other people, regardless of how frustrated with or disappointed in them we might be, saying, just wait long enough. Hold out hope, and people will often surprise you in the end. He encouraged his listeners not just to follow their own dreams, but to enable and empower the dreams of others, especially children, and to seize every moment of every day as pure gift, because, as he said, time is all that we have. And you may find one day that you have less than you think. Pouch's theme is really how to live a life of meaning and purpose right now, not to wait or put off or take for granted all of those gifts and blessings and people and opportunities today in your life. Well, you might say that that last lecture and the book about it really woke people up. 
jarring them from their oblivion, rousing them from their sleep. In fact, before he died, which was just nine months after that lecture, he had received tens of thousands of messages from all over the world with people telling him how grateful they were that they had been awakened from their slumber, turned around from their sleepwalking, interrupted from their sleep-talking, inspired to focus on what mattered. He had a good pastor friend who studied Pausch and his lecture extensively, and he had this to say about that last lecture, keep awake. That is the teacher's ultimate message. As we enter the season of Advent and we begin our march through the wild, jam-packed weeks of distractions and busyness, we are reminded today of what matters now and then, that Jesus is coming. That Jesus is hoping that we have made room in our hearts and in our lives, that we are alert, clear-eyed, and ready for his arrival. Living with a deep sense of what is to come. Living each day as though it were our last on earth. Doing our best to simply trust him and love God and every neighbor. Today, Jesus is hoping to startle us into a greater awareness of all of the gifts that we have been given long before Christmas. Today, let the adventure of Advent begin in your heart. Hear the voice of the one who is to come. Hey, you with the nose! <laughs> who, us, Lord? Yes. Wake up! <laughs> Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in bed. No more backwards thinking. Time for thinking ahead. The world has changed so very much from what it used to be. There's so much hatred, war, and poverty. Wake up all the teachers, time to teach a new way. Maybe then they'll listen to what you have to say. They're the ones who are coming up and the world's in their hands. When you teach the children, teach them the very best you can. The world won't get no better if we just let it be. No, no. The world won't get much better. We gotta change it now. Just you and me. up all the doctors, more people who are well. They're the ones who suffer, who catch all the hell. They don't have so very long before their judgment day. Won't you make them happy before they pass away? 
Wake up all the builders, time to build a new land. I know that we can do it if we all live ahead. The only thing we have to do is put it in our minds. Surely things will work out, they do it every time. But the world won't get much better. We don't just let it be. So the world won't get much better. We gotta change it now, you and me. We gotta wake up. We gotta wake up, you and me. Yeah, we gotta wake up. We gotta wake up, you and me. Yeah, the world won't get much better If we just let it be No, no Yeah, the world won't get much better We gotta make a change You and me You and me We gotta wait 